Welcome to season five of the Life Giver Podcast, a place for honest conversation and hope that will breathe life back into your military or first responder marriage. This is your host, Corey Weathers. I'm a military spouse, clinician, and advocate, and I'm bringing topics that I hear from the service community and counseling room to the podcast, where we can face the challenges of this lifestyle together. Welcome to the Life Giver Podcast. This is your host, Corey, and we are doing a series on parenting and kids. And I know every season I have to dive in just a little bit and talk about our kids and what it's like to parent. And right now is a a really difficult time, especially during COVID and trying to decide what do we do with our kids going back to school Um, I've been very open and public with the fact that we are a new EFMP family dealing with a child with asthma, and that has been an ongoing issue for us going to doctors and going to school system and trying to get all those pieces to connect. And I am thrilled to have Tommy Black with me today to talk about an amazing app that they have designed that is specifically to help you as parents not only track what is going on with your child, but also be able to communicate and have this continuity of care with providers, with maybe your teachers and get everybody connected so much easier. If you're like me, you have that PCS binder and I not only have a PCS binder, I've got like a kid binder, a whole portfolio of like all my kids report cards and, and their personality assessments. Yes, I do that. But also like what's going on with them medically and trying to lug that thing around and try to get communication um, built between all of these different entities and then getting us all working together can be really stressful. So Tommy, I'm so excited to have you um, join the podcast and share some of what you're doing to have a more innovative app and a way for us to communicate. So welcome to the podcast. Oh, great. Great introduction. Thank you so much, Corey. It's really good to be here. Um, I just agree with everything you said. It's such a, a difficult time and a lot of things going on and uh, it's hard to keep up with everything uh, normally, uh, let alone with everything going on and then dealing with exceptional family members and children and schools and the uncertainty of today. So pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. Yeah. And here's the thing. You were also a veteran yourself. You shared with me before we started to record that your wife is also a veteran. So you were a dual service couple and you've had that experience of both being the service member deployed and also being back at home. And so, you know, both of those sides, but you're also a psychologist. You've had many, many years of experience in the counseling side of things, working with kids and also doing some forensic work with the first responders. And so would you mind just taking a couple minutes and sharing a a little bit about your background and maybe how that got you into where you are now doing um, so much in the mental health space. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, that's right. I was in the military straight out of high school, enlisted, um, then went to college, met my wife. She uh, was also enlisted before I met her. And then we went to ROTC and she became an officer uh, and served. That brought us to Georgia. And we've been here since then, since 95. Uh, I went to grad school, became a school psychologist, and uh, from there became a licensed professional counselor and worked in the military community with families dealing with educational transitions. I think the first nine, eight, nine years doing this uh, was primarily involved with students coming and going and helping with the transitions, uh, getting into and out of school, especially for special needs children. But at the same time, I worked in private practice and helped with the counseling side, as you mentioned for children and families. Um, And then, of course, in the early 2000s, 
uh, we had the multiple deployments and multiple uh, issues uh, with Afghanistan and Iraq and dealing with families struggling through those. In addition, we work with, um, my agency works with the local police department. We do critical incident debriefing and pre-employment screenings. Uh, We work with them to help them through the adjustment issues and family issues that come up through the high stress nature of the work that they do. I've been doing that 20 plus years in private practice. Um, In that capacity, I've built a private practice with about 50 employees and met some friends who were involved in the space as well doing assessments and treatment for ADHD and children with adjustment issues and autism and social emotional functioning things and working in the system with military families and with social services families noticed a a lot of kids falling through the cracks or having to start over or like you said not everybody has those binders and even when you do you bring it to me for therapy and there, there are gaps in there that maybe I don't see that from their previous therapist or their previous psychologist. And so we developed an app that aids with the tracking of that, the assessment of that and the um, coordination of all that care. But primarily to the primary purpose of the app, it's a steam uh, is the app and it's uh, on the Apple store and it's online at chooseesteem.com. But the primary purpose is to put parents in the driver's seat to give you control of behavioral health care services, support and coordination between the schools, the clinicians, the pediatricians, so that all of that information is in one space and allows you to decide, do I want to work on sleep issues? Do I want to work on impulsivity issues? Do I want to work on social emotional functioning? Do I want to look at uh, food sensitivity And then gathering that data and making informed decisions uh, about what interventions you want to use next. And then over time, quantifying whether those interventions are truly working. So really, again, putting all that information in the parents' hands, but at the same time, a lot more information than you've ever received from anyone before. Not Not just about where your child was last week, but where they've been over the last several months and what your need might be in this moment, as opposed to, I need to call a therapist because my son had a meltdown uh, yesterday, but it might be two weeks before I can get in and get help. So we try to bring all that together at home with you so that you can take control of that situation and get help that you need when you need it. There's so many things that I could process just from what you just said. One of the things that I'm thinking about is the fact that, you know, a lot of our kids that are military or first responder kids, even some of our veteran kids, you know, I just think that, you know, we're talking about mental health, we're talking about emotional health. Um, There are some of these kind of bigger diagnoses that might sound a little bit scary to those um, parents out there that maybe aren't, you know, maybe they're, they don't have a child that's diagnosed with ADHD or autism or, or some of those bigger diagnoses, but they're still wrestling with the fact that their child is struggling, especially during a time right, right now. In fact, I talked with a good friend of mine earlier today, and the common conversation with all of the parents right now is we're about to go into school and we don't know what decision to make for our kids. It's kind of a forced choice. No matter what we decide, we feel like we're making a bad choice. But it's, it's coming from this place of my child doesn't, they're not doing well. They're emotionally not doing well. They're mentally not doing well. They need to be around other kids. They're not getting the physical outlet. And so if you don't mind, I would love to talk maybe about how esteem can help first with those parents that 
are wanting to, to track the emotional mental wellness of their kids that maybe don't have that ADHD diagnosis. And then we'll kind of get to those diagnoses as well, because it comes with a level of complexity that I know the app is definitely going to help them. But what could the app do for parents who really just want to track, you know, what's going on with their child and maybe get some beginning practical tools, Um, especially like I'm thinking about our situation. We've moved so much that sometimes we see something happening with our kid that, you know, there, maybe there is that sleep disturbance or they are struggling with stress or anxiety. And it takes so long to get to somebody, to talk to somebody and get some help. So what would you say to some of those parents? That's a really good point. I appreciate you pointing that out. The the goal, um, of esteem is not to work only with clinical disorders. Clinical disorders, depression, anxiety, conduct disorder, autism, ADHD. The goal is to give parents a developmental tool. So every child, regardless of how smooth the transition is, goes through transitions. Every child has ups and downs. You have ups and downs. I have ups and downs. Um, We all have significant life events that impact us in significant ways, even little things or even good things, right? Um, graduating from sixth grade, that's a good thing. Uh, or, uh, But now I'm going to a new school next year. So there's all these new challenges that arise. And being able to see that and track it over time and then quantify it and then say, okay, I noticed that when we moved here, everything was going okay. But then on sometime last week, Tuesday, things started going a little bit of awry not necessarily to the point that I need therapy or that we need to call somebody or that we need help, but maybe they're not sleeping so well, or maybe, um, maybe they're having more arguments with their siblings. Well, you add that data into, into esteem and you can see exactly where they're at, what the issue is, and then get some, some proven, uh, scientifically proven and validated interventions that you can use. Uh, whether that's just taking a deep breath today or whether that's uh, having a talk about sleep hygiene, turning the TV off or the screens off at a certain time, whatever that may be based on what you input. But yeah, so in summary, getting back to the original point of your question is that it's a developmental tool that can be used anytime. And a lot of times, if you pay attention to a significant issue as it arises, it doesn't arise to clinical level. So you don't have to get it to a level where you might have to call a therapist. And that's hard, right? The hardest thing about therapy, from my perspective, is always calling the therapist and then scheduling and getting in. And as you said, that can be weeks or months from now. But having that information at your hands so that you can do minor corrections that lead to long-term stability is the goal. Um, So it doesn't have to be my child is in trouble at school or my child... um, is getting arrested or my child has a diagnosis. It can be my child isn't sleeping like they used to. Uh, and it could be just maybe you need some peace of mind, Corey. Maybe this is a normal developmental or, or typical developmental pattern for a child at this age that uh, teenagers, for example, start to sleep more than they used to when they were uh, middle uh, childhood. So sometimes parents don't have that connection or that understanding and, and they sometimes um, get anxious or worried about that. Uh, What's going on? What do I need to do? But having that information that's developmentally appropriate to see that it's developmentally appropriate can kind of ease the mind and help you move forward in those ways. So yeah, it's, it's really a developmental tool that can be used across the lifespan whenever you need it, wherever you 
I think this is so fantastic for so many reasons. I mean, even as our family is about to go into a deployment, I'm thinking about those families going through that kind of transition as well. You know, we I get a lot of questions about um, sleep disturbances um, of all ages of kids. Um, I get a lot of questions about some of those attitude shifts that can happen that might be a little bit more normal and they're testing the waters or pushing the envelope just a little bit. And just to have that validation. And I find oftentimes that's initially what counseling is. It's a time for validation and just you know, assuring the parent that this is a normal part of development. It's a normal part of the process. And having that validation paired with some practical tools of how you can get involved with your child, maybe how to conversate through that, or just like something as simple as breathing. You brought up, you know, is it just a matter of taking a deep breath that day, right? I mean, there we we as parents even struggle with that. So how do we even communicate that to a child, much less a teenager, that what you need right now is a deep breath? And so having that tool with you that helps you and guides you through that conversation, or at least just arms you with the right information going into that conversation is everything. Yeah, I think that's that's really well said. The idea that it kind of normalizes situations. But at the same time, there are some times when parents bring children to me and I work with the child and and I could I triage basically and say okay he's having trouble sleeping but he's also uh, not eating but he's also picking on his sister and I could say okay well maybe picking on his sister is the biggest issue and mom may say well I'm most concerned about this you know when when you have the ability to look at and determine what you want to work on when you want to work on it because you and I all of us have our own particular uh, nuances, right? There are things that my son does that drive me batty, but his mother doesn't care about them. They don't bother her at all and, and vice versa. We all have our own little pet peeves, I guess. So being able to say, well, these are the things that are leading to the most friction in our family right now, even though they're not necessarily clinically significant, but they could get there if we don't address them now. Another important part of that is the idea that when I, when you bring your child to me as a therapist, a traditional therapist in my office, I give you a mountain of paperwork to fill out before you get here, mm-hmm. once you get here and after you leave. And we have to use all that. And, th- and that's all part of the process for best practices. But that takes a lot of time to fill out with the app. It's a few minutes a day. It doesn't have to be invasive or intrusive or overwhelming. You can break it up into little pieces and little chunks. Some parents we've found will sit down and spend hours at a time to upload everything and, and get it all in there. It's not upload's not the right word. They just have to fill out the different assessment tools and the, the demographic data. But other parents will kind of pick and choose and do it as they go along. And I think that kind of fits more realistically with us as a society as opposed to sitting down and doing it like this. It's not one size fits all, I guess, is a good way to say it. So, yeah, I think that's important to have that individualized support for everybody, whether it's and and dad can work on different things than mom. And those little chunks can uh, lead to less significant problems next week or next month or next year. Now, that's a great point. You're bringing up the app's ability to communicate information to those that need to have it and use it. And so 
Tell everybody a little bit about how um, maybe the pipeline of, of how the app works. You know, you mentioned parents can fill out this information. It serves as kind of a tracking of behavior, a tracking of symptoms, a tracking of, you know, whatever might be going on with the child. And then let's say they're going to um, a therapist for an appointment. Do How would they get that information from the app to the counselor? So before I answer that question, there's there's two parts to that. The first is that you fill out and as a parent, you put in the information that's necessary for you. And then you decide and determine which steps you're going to take next. Then when you're going to the therapist, you decide how you're going to share it. You can either, uh, well, currently the way it is, we have what's called a pediatrician report. But, but let me back up before I get to that. You can include data from teachers and from pediatricians and from therapists by putting in their email address and saying uh, it sends off different assessments to them uh, so they can see or they can contribute to the information and the data that you have without seeing anything within the app. They can't see the results. They don't get the scored assessments. They don't see the track data over time. They just contribute to it. Like you, a lot of military families, we have um, short-term and long-term care providers. It might be a grandma, it might be an uncle. I had a college buddy who I was his short-term care provider. And so I, they, he could say, hey, I'd like you to fill this out to see if you're seeing the same things that I'm seeing or to see if you see any concerns. And then once you go to a therapist or the pediatrician or the psychiatrist or whoever that may be, then you can print out the pediatrician report. It, it's a PDF, so you can email it to them. You can print it out. You can hand deliver it. Uh, the goal eventually is to kind of backdoor it into the different electronic health records programs that there are, but everybody's still kind of um, not sequestered, but they're all on their own little islands right now. Uh, mm-hmm. And everybody's nervous about that stuff because of HIPAA and things like that. So we made it easy where the parent can just email it uh, as they see fit, or they can print it out and take it to them and it will have all the data. And then you can redact it how you see fit. You can cut out whatever data you don't want them to have and only include what you do want them to have, but you don't want to necessarily cut out too much um, stuff, but obviously there is some stuff you don't necessarily want to share. So the goal, overall goal is to, again, put the parents in the driver's seat so that they have the sense of control of where they're going and how they're getting there, but also have, you know, like a GPS that can help them get there as opposed to just (laughs) turning willy nilly. Well, I also love, by the way, that you mentioned that you can even email this to um, someone at the school, like getting the teacher's feedback, or maybe it's um, the school counselor that can provide some extra feedback because it just really gives um, a lot of different perspectives on what's going on with that child. And I know a few years ago when my husband, not my husband, when my child was dealing with um, the asthma and the cough that he struggled with for so long, it really did become not only a problem at home, but a problem at school and a problem socially at school. And it affected his grades and his attendance. And then also trying to help the counselor and the um, physician all understand how all of those variables were impacting each other and getting that better perspective on it. So I love the fact that you're, as a parent, able to send it out to who you need to send it out to to get all of that information. Yeah, one of my experiences along those lines as a parent, as a therapist, as a military spouse, and as a military member, I remember going to the doctor um, on sick call. And one day I get Dr. So-and-so and and he says, do ABC. And then 
a month later, six months later, a week later, whenever I go back, I get an, a different doctor, a completely different doctor. Mm-hmm. And he looks at my chart and says, you shouldn't have been doing ABC. You need to do EF and G. So there was right. no continuity. And and I used to say, uh, every doctor you go to knows more than any other doctor you've ever been to, because obviously your situation changes. But this allows for that continuity. And, and as a therapist, especially in the school system, when parents bring in their EFMP paperwork or their IEPs or their 504 plans, it has information on it, but it's almost like it's written in code. And mm-hmm. I might say I used uh, cognitive behavior therapy to help Corey with A, B, and C. And I know what that means, but I don't know what that looks like for you when you were in therapy, if that comes to me from somebody else. But in the app, we can see exactly what it is and specifically what it is. One of the components that we're hoping to add, um, we're not hoping to add, we're working on adding it, is live people. So right now it's all AI driven and uh, workflow driven. but we're in talks with a couple of organizations to put where sometimes in a moment of need, I just need to talk to somebody. And so we can have people who can text or, or do video or do phone calls that can help process through some of those things by looking at that data and moving forward. So I think that's important for parents to have that information, but also to have it in a language that's understandable to everybody, as opposed to a lot of the codes that we use. You know, Tommy, one of the things that I'm thinking about is this is so innovative and it's so well thought out. Usually things like this are kind of birthed out of, you know, some frustration or some pain point that maybe you guys went through initially. So if we could just go back for a second, like what was it that made you decide we need an app like this? What was the frustration or or what was going on that got everybody together to say, let's build this app? I think that's a good point. And there is an impetus based out of the pain. The idea that all these families that just had no control that would just get pushed along. Um, I think I told you maybe half-heartedly that I don't feel like I'm that good of a therapist. I do a lot of different things, but I'm, I'm, I don't feel that good as a therapist. But what the responses I get from families that I work with is that I take time and I talk to them and I, and I don't just push them along. And I think as a, when I go to the doctor, I'm in the waiting room and then I'm in there for five or 10 minutes and then I'm pushed along and I don't really, I'm asked if I have any questions, but I don't necessarily know what questions to ask. I don't have connections Mm -hmm. to the resources to get the information. And I don't feel like I have a whole lot of control or say in what goes on. And so then you lead, you see a lot of AMA uh, against medical advice, people who quit taking their meds or quit coming to therapy or don't find the value in it unless they're in crisis because they're just not getting the help they need when they need it. So seeing these families struggle over and over again, and then as a professional, having to try to develop treatment plans and IEPs for kids and families when I'm just getting pieces of it was extremely difficult. So that pain point of seeing thousands and probably millions and billions of dollars spent on kind of patchwork care with no continuity and no connection and no, none of the stakeholders really communicating. But then at the same time, we've gotten to a point as a society where we have technology that can connect these things. We have technology that can ease this stuff. So Corey, you bring your son to me and I say, before I can make this diagnosis or move forward, I need these forms filled out and I need the teacher to do this and I need dad to do this and I need grandma to do that or whatever. And it's three weeks, four weeks before I get that stuff back and it's half filled out or it's not returned or it's lost or 
So I'm having to try to make decisions about your child's care and coordinate that with physicians and schools, but I just have bits and pieces. So having all of that instantaneously, when you send an email to me that says, I'd like you to fill this out, it pre-snatches everything. So it immediately downloads it. I just click through some questions. I, it'll go as fast as I can go or to go as slow as I can go. There's no lag. There's no wait. There's no frustration. And then it immediately scores it. It immediately puts it into a context with everything else. And it immediately gives me a better picture of what's going on. So paper pencil is what we used to do. I'd give it to you and then I'd have to add it up. And and we still do some things that way. And I actually teach uh, therapists how to do different assessments. And I make them do the paper pencil as opposed to the computer programs because I want them to understand how it works. But you'd be, maybe you wouldn't be surprised how many times I have to send it back and say, well, well, your end result's way off because you missed one here. I used mm-hmm. to equate that, you know, if you're a little bit off on a 50 meter target at the, at the range, you still might hit it. But if you're still that little bit off at a 300 meter target, you're probably mm-hmm. going to miss it. So over time, that little adjustment gets way out of whack and way offline. So having that and then having a more forward thinking society as it relates to technology, People are more open to it. Everybody has a smartphone. I don't know anybody that doesn't have a smartphone, except maybe my my elderly father. But mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. so everybody has all of this computing power and all this data and all this information capability right there. And you and I were talking about this before we started recording the idea of how technology can be used to augment the things we do. I would say and challenge us as a profession and as a society that we shouldn't see how we can use technology to keep doing things the way we've always been doing things, but we should see how we can use technology to do things better. And I think in mental health and behavioral health and and physical health, we have those capabilities. And 10 years ago, I wouldn't have believed it. Uh, But seeing kids, I have a a kid I work with who um, she's never met this boy They've only communicated through text messages and emails, and they've been boyfriend and girlfriend for three years Mm -hmm. and they, they love each other and they swear that they love each other. And they, so people are having those kinds of connections and we are able to use technology in more meaningful ways than we've ever been able to before. I'm not saying it's a good thing or a bad thing, but I'm saying we can use it to not only maintain the status quo, but to make life better. And to give us the power and the ability and free us from those constraints that we can only do when we're in person. Um, I was talking earlier to a psychology student about the reason I got into this field. The reason I got into this field is because I like being connected to people. I like being connected to individuals. And when we started looking at using technology and counseling, I was against it. I didn't like it. I didn't like having some artificial something between me and you. I liked being in the same room. I liked the nonverbals. I liked being able to nod and smile and get all that. Although um, these days it's a little tougher with the masks and things. But since all this has started, the, the, the COVID and we've moved mostly to telemental health, I found that um, there is a great deal of value and a great deal of connection. Things that I knew personally already, but didn't really want to accept as a professional. But with this, you have that. We have that capability. And it should be that you can sit at home on a Saturday and have an issue and be able to resolve that issue without having to wait till Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday Mm -hmm. to get a hold of somebody. And you should be able to work through that process without having to fret about it for a week or two before you get into somebody. And how many times 
I don't know about you, but it, for me professionally, there are dozens, hundreds, thousands of times where people have said, things are going great today. I really wish I could have talked to you last week when things weren't going so mm-hmm. well. But that's a good teaching moment, though, as well. You know, things get better over time or or can if you process through it that way. But having the technology and the ability to do that. So, so yeah, there was this pain point that you felt, and I think most families have felt, particularly military and first responders, where we're working odd hours, we're working extended hours, we have stresses and stressors that uh, most people in most families luckily don't have to feel. But then we have technology. So you talked about my military experience, and I don't want to go too off on a tangent, but I was in Iraq in 1991, and I was there for four months. I made one phone call the whole time I was there. The rest of the time, I wrote letters home. And I waited anxiously to get letters back. And But nowadays, or, or 10 years ago, up to current, you talked about you're preparing for a deployment. I have clients who come in and say, I talk to my dad every day, or I talk to my mom every day, or spouses that come in and say, I, I talk to my spouse every day. So we have that technology and that capability to, to bring things closer and to make things better. And, and to me, I, it's it's significant, it's important, and it's really exciting to have so much that we can do that we couldn't do five years ago or two years ago or 10 years ago. Sorry, that was a bit of a. (laughs) No, no, it's great. I was, I was actually thinking about how, um, you know, I think, well, let me kind of preface this with speaking to the audience here just for a second. I know I don't have to say it to some of you who live with the frustration of having to move and try to seek out that continuity of care and you know, even if you're not dealing with a medical diagnosis, just the continuity of care with, um, with your kids in school. And, and I think it's our, with our kids, especially that we get the most worked up over because we feel so protective of, um, them doing well. And when you're called to a lifestyle, like we're called to, and your kids didn't, you know, they didn't volunteer for this, but we did, you know, and I think that as parents, we can sometimes struggle with that guilt of, you know, my dragging my kid through this lifestyle and all of the ramifications, you know, of this lifestyle are affecting them. And then how do I parent them better? So I I know a lot of you guys out there struggle with that along with me. Like that's something that we have definitely struggled with moving as much as we have, you know, and you know, the, the other interview that I do in this series, I, I don't get into it very much, but when we went to Leavenworth and I had the opportunity to speak at the beginning convocation to all the teachers and all of the staff in that school district that my kids are going to be coming into, you know, the, one of the reasons what, what they were asking me to say, or what they're asking me to speak on is help us understand the parent perspective. Like what, what are our families coming in with in the beginning of this school year when they they're transitioning in and all of this to say that as a parent, you want what's best for your kids. And we tend to, especially if you're moving a lot and dealing with all of the, these complications of entities and medical doctors and school counselors and everything, you tend to get really exhausted and weary of repeating yourself. Just like you're saying, Tommy, like trying to fill out the same paperwork. Every doctor has their own strategy. Some of them aren't working. Then you have to start over again and trying to carry all that information from person to person and trying to plead your case. And I think that's what we have become is we should always be advocates of our kids, but we really do become 
advocates of our kids. And I think it's very easy for us. I'll speak for maybe the active duty military group for just a second with all the relocations. It's very easy for us to become not just advocates, but really storm the castle, right? But we're storming the castle out of desperation. We're storming the castle because we're tired and we're weary of sharing the same story, the same struggle, what didn't work, what has worked, and having to be the experts in a field that we're not really experts of other than I'm an expert of my child and what I see with them at home. But I'm not, in my case, I'm not an asthma. I'm not a pulmonologist. And I'm not my child's therapist either. I'm my child's mother. And so I think that all of this angst gets built up over time of having to repeat yourself so many times, or like you were saying, Tommy, going into the doctor's office and feeling like you just get kind of shoved and pushed from um, from one thing to the next and wondering where's the humanity in all of it, right? And so, you know, I see what you have done as relieving some of that. Nothing breaks parental angst, you know, and desperation more than having a human just kind of meet with you and sit with you and treat you like another human being and not this beast of a parent that seems to be just storming the castle because she's already mad and worked up because she thinks you're not going to be able to help my child or she just doesn't want to repeat herself for the 50th time. And so what you're doing, even though it's automated in an app, you're leaving space, you're creating space and room for these conversations to happen better, faster, higher quality, because we can get through that paperwork, we can communicate what's been going on and what's been going on from doctor to doctor and get to now, what are we going to do? And I think that that is beautiful and amazing and something that I know that I'm looking forward to just to be able to send that information, even if it's in advance, but sending that information to go, here's everything that you need to know. Where do we go from here? And I think that's such a gift to parents. Really appreciate you saying that. And you said it very well. Um, And if I could just take it a little bit further than that, please. it also adds the ability for the parents to take care of themselves. Because you said uh, it's very important and we, we overlook this. We forget, I think, sometimes how strong we are uh, as parents and as um, servicemen and women and as first responders, that the stress and the things that we deal with and how it becomes a, a cumulative effect. And sometimes you storm that castle because I'm tired of having to deal with this stuff. I'm wore out. I'm exhausted. And esteem strives to give you the tools to take care of yourself in your moment of need as a parent as well not just uh, to make sure that you have the information for your child, but it's an the goal is to be an overall wellness uh, and development tool from birth to throughout your lifespan. So um, so thank you for, for how you characterize that. Yeah. Would you mind unpacking just a little bit, maybe some of the practical things that they can look forward to seeing in the app? So when you mentioned that it's kind of brings that self-care piece to parents or perhaps you're there with your child and, and they're going through something, whether it's a sleep cycle or some eating issues, what are some of the practical things that they might be able to utilize, let's say on that Saturday, you know, that they don't have to wait till Monday to get? Absolutely. So first and foremost, Esteem is free. The app is free. You download the app and you input the information, you use the demographics and you get the information. And that's free. You don't um, have to put in a credit card. You don't have to. There's no trial period. There's none of that stuff. It's free. And what it is, is the American Academy of Pediatrics for what we have now 
for um, children, um, their box of, of assessment tools and developmental aids and things like that, that's all digitized. So you, you can put that data in. Once you put that data in, it will guide you and say, uh, okay, I noticed that you indicated that you're having issues with sleep. So it will then point you within what is called a marketplace. It's actually a market network because it has lots of little marketplaces within it where there are interventions. Some of them are free. Some of them are premium that you can say, uh, well, here's a sleep intervention that if you use this, it will teach you sleep hygiene. It will walk you through the process and it will track sleep. Uh, We've partnered with different wearables like Fitbit. So you, if you have a Fitbit or an Apple Watch, you can use that to track sleep and then it will call that data and put it in there and show you one of the, I used to use a thing called not to again, go off on a tangent, but I used to use a thing called Disney circle. Um, and mm-hmm. it was a, an internet appliance that could tell me everything my kids were doing online. It, I could block sites. I could track where they were doing things on their phones and things like that. I disconnected it last year because my kids are old enough now. Well, I don't know. They know how to get around it, don't they? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> my kids yeah, do too. <laughs> but um, I got a notification at two in the morning that my son had gotten up and was online. And he was 14 at the time. So I was a little concerned <laughs> that he's online at two in the morning. So I wake up and I look at this and I see that he is um, he's doing his homework. He had come home and wasn't feeling well and had gone to sleep early and he had gotten up and realized or woke up in the middle of the night and realized, oh my gosh, I got to get my homework done. So um, that's actually a true story. But a lot of times we think uh, my kids go to bed at nine. I don't know why they're tired when I wake them up at six in the morning. We don't realize our kids aren't going to sleep. My my children, uh, to this day, they don't have TV. I have 17 year old twins. They don't have TVs in their room. They don't use TVs anymore anyway. They use their phones and they use tablets for everything. Mm-hmm. But the when they were little, when they first got their phones, we had a basket in our room and they had to put their phones in there and then go to bed. So they had no digital nothing when they went to bed. But but they oftentimes would get up and read books or oftentimes get up and play. And We did uh, a study with some kids when we first started doing this about two years ago. And we this parent... The, the child went to bed at 8.30 every night, but most nights he did not lay down and go to sleep until 11, 12 o'clock at night. And they were getting up at 5, 5.30 the next morning because of all the things that we have going on. And they weren't realizing uh, that this was happening because he was in his room and he was doing his own thing. Once they were able to see that data, then they were able to unpack what was going on and try different things. And he started getting better sleep. Kids need a lot more sleep these days than than we think they do, especially teenagers and little, little kids. But so anyways, it it will, it will point you to the different interventions that fit the areas that you have the biggest need. in. One of the things we found too, through our um, testing of the app is that whether you use an intervention or not, you're going to see improvements because you're tracking and you're paying attention to things and it will give you free free little pointers and advice and, and uh, things that you can do if that doesn't work or if you want something more significant, like uh, we've partnered with the Devereaux Foundation um, to for the DESA, the Devereaux um, Strength and Needs Assessment. Until we started working with them, that was only available to schools or um, commercial people. It was not available to consumers or parents, but it allows you to do an assessment and see what your child's strengths are in the social emotional areas and then 
uh, make adjustments from there. My children, um, I, I did this with my daughter. I filled it out on my daughter. And even though her stuff was all pretty high, she's a daddy's girl. So maybe my wife would have got <laughs> different scores. But even though her stuff was pretty high, it still showed some areas uh, that she could improve on. And so we were able to work on things and and uh, make adjustments to how we interacted and worked with her based on those things. So, But other things included our Bark, which is another tracking uh, device that um, is similar to Circle, but it works on phones and you can set adjustments. Uh, we're working with positive parenting people to put some parenting tools in there. We worked with a group, uh, one of the largest coaching groups um, out there called Honestly ADHD. And she's given us the content that you can buy directly in the app. So it's it's a marketplace, kind of like a mall, I guess, or Amazon, where you can go in and get everything you need without having to go to all these different apps and having to get all the different things you need. Uh, and it is not just about overcoming issues. It's also about developing and moving uh, in positive directions. So we've partnered with an exercise group out of Atlanta that works with uh, the University of Alabama and they've worked with the Dallas Cowboys and they work with other insurance companies. The guy who started it was a professional baseball player. So we've had kids who have used the program who have don't have any problems, have never had any issues developmentally or in school. They always made good grades and good behavior, but they want to do better or their parents want them to have the best opportunities for growth. So all of those different interventions are in there that you can then buy and use to address whatever issue is important to you or to your child uh, or your family. So we also have some self-care tools in there. Uh, And every day, not every day, every week, every couple of weeks, we're trying to add new things in there by developing new partnerships. We're working with a group now. I don't remember if I said this before or since we've been taping a group that has uh, online therapists so that if you need something more significant than just some guidance or some videos or some um, interventions uh, through the app, you want to talk to a live person, then you'll have that capability as well. So we try to run the whole gamut of development and positive growth. I think that's great because I think that um, it gives, again, it gives the parents the opportunity to sit in the driver's seat and just kind of tap into the things that they need and get some help immediately, at least get, get some tips and some practical strategies of what they can do as a parent. And then at the same time, I'm guessing that app will track what they've tried and what they've implemented to be able to use that for data for later. Would that be correct? Yeah, that's right. Not only to see, hey, this is working, keep doing it, but to say, hey, you bought this, uh, but I don't, you don't, uh, we don't think you should uh, renew it because it doesn't seem to be working. You know, maybe you should try something else. Or if you like it, you can keep using it. You know, a lot of times we don't have that ability. We just, keep trying and trying and trying. And one of the frustrations for me, I think I said earlier that I got into this field because I like working with individuals, but one of the frustrations is everybody's an individual. So what works for you may not work for me. And what works for you today may not work for you tomorrow. (laughs) You know, maybe you uh, ate something today that makes you uh, frustrated or angry. That's a food sensitivity is another big thing that we found. Children have different sensitivities to different foods and it makes them look ADHD or it makes them look anxious or it makes them look uh, jittery or it makes them look um, oppositional because they're not feeling well or they're not doing well. So having that knowledge to say, you know what, maybe, okay, I'm not going to give him, uh, I'm not going to give my child this food anymore because they're sensitive to it. 
and then you see improvements in behavior. So otherwise, we're, oh, they're just oppositional or, oh, we just need to think about things better. But it's not that's not always the case. There's this huge connection between our emotions and our thoughts and our physiology. We can't separate those things out. But I'm a I'm a therapist who talks to people and then there are therapists who work on um, medication and then there's doctors or, you know, medical doctors who work on the physiology part. So those aren't always connected uh, and they're certainly not always um, used contiguously, you know, used together. And this allows you to see those gaps and to understand what was missing or what is significant. And that's a maybe goes back to your pain point idea where there are times where you try and try and try and nothing seems to work. Mm-hmm. You know, you brought up this with technology, you know, it's a great time to be alive, you know, with things changing and things evolving and, and um, new ideas coming out. And I think that it's also a great time to be alive, even though, like you said, it can be frustrating when there's so many individual ways of handling things. It's, it's also a really great time to be alive because it's a holistic approach and people are more willing to look at a more holistic approach than ever before. And, um, like you've brought up, whether, you know, it's having an app where you can track the sleep, right. Or track all these different variables that could be contributing holistically to what you're seeing in your child makes a huge difference. Whereas before, if you're just going in, like you said, with this concern that my child is just being oppositional or they're just misbehaving, you know, when it could be any number of things. And so having a tool now where you can track those things and zero in maybe on that variable is, is great news for everybody. It's great news for the parent, but it's also great news for the clinicians or whatever that other entity is, even the, the school teacher, the school guidance counselor, right? To be able to say, oh, look, you know, we have, we have actually been tracking this for a long time. Yes, we've just moved to this location, but we've been tracking this for a period of time with a number of doctors. And this is as far as we've gotten to this point. And it turns out, you know, Johnny isn't just wanting to misbehave in class. He just I don't know, maybe he can't have eggs or maybe he can't, maybe he struggles with that sensory overload or Mm -hmm. we've just been able to track it to this point. And again, you don't have to, as a parent, feel like you have to fight the battle of, I mean, I know what it's like as a parent to try to explain to somebody, which at whatever entity this is, all the work and research that you've done and trying to not sound crazy, right? To not sound like it's, I swear it's eggs, right? Like (laughs) that can sound really strange to somebody who maybe isn't quite there yet or isn't on a, in a holistic perspective or looking at all those variables. But when you have something that's been tracking it and, and kind of collecting all of this data, it makes that conversation so much easier. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, uh, I'm not saying at all that eggs create conduct issues. (laughs) Just using that as an example. (laughs) That's my disclaimer. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, we we see that more and more, right? We understand the importance of that holistic approach, whereas before it was just put your head down and push forward and it doesn't work that way. And you can't fit a square peg in a round hole every time. Well, Tommy, could you uh, maybe just as an encouraging way to, to wrap up for today, is there anything that, especially since you are a veteran yourself, you're a father, you're a mental health provider, you know what it's been like to be a military spouse, you work with parents, you work with kids. What would you say to some of the parents listening out there who might be in that desperate, frantic place where they're just really struggling and they're burned out and they just are just really having a hard time? What kind of encouragement, what would you say to that parent that's listening? 
For me, um, for most people, um, when you're in that moment of need, it's finding some connection somewhere, whether that's uh, meditating or doing yoga or going for a run or reading a book or talking to a friend or just a moment of quiet reflection. When you're in that moment of crisis or that moment where you feel like you can't take anymore, just taking a little bit of time to collect that and understand and appreciate that that's all you have to do right now. What we tend to do when we get in that frantic area is we start to think, I got to do this, 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 I got to do this. But right now, maybe all you have to do is breathe. Or right now, maybe all you have to do is talk to Corey for a few minutes. And, and once we get that little bit of distraction, then we start to feel a little bit better. And then we're able to kind of take that giant workload that we have or that giant anxiety that we have and break it down into more manageable pieces. And it's kind of trite and, and worn statement, but one day at a time, one step at a time, one breath at a time, that's probably the most important thing. But as you move forward, one of the things I tell kids is you, you don't want to light the house on fire to, to cook your dinner. But if your house is on fire, you probably shouldn't worry about dinner. You should worry about putting the fire out mm. first. So get yourself out of that situation and then figure out what puts you in that situation. And it, it's different. It could be different today than it was yesterday again, but figure out what that was and then build those supports moving forward so that before I get into that situation, I can use the app or I can talk to a therapist or I can talk to my friends or I can take a day to unplug and watch cartoons all day or whatever it is that you do. Um, all of us have different things that work at different times and just um, finding those things and, and maybe too many things I'm throwing too much at you right now. But the other thing that I found as an individual, as a spouse, as a father, and as a therapist is we have a tendency to dogpile on ourselves and beat ourselves up mm -hmm. and being gentle to yourself. Uh, maybe you're not as strong as you thought you are, but you're probably much stronger than you're giving yourself credit for. And people don't see that. We have a tendency to see that we failed or that we're weak or that we're not good enough when in fact we're doing better than most people. So uh, most of the time. So giving yourself some credit and then cutting yourself some slack. I would tell you, Corey, to talk to yourself and tell yourself the same things that you would tell me if I was struggling as a friend of yours or as a colleague of yours. But we don't do that, right? You say to me, it's okay. You'll be okay. You'll get through this. Whatever it is, you'll say. But to yourself, you'll say, suck it up. Quit being a baby. What's wrong with you? You're being stupid. You're being weak. And that kind of self-talk is very defeating. So changing that and putting those supports in place will help you moving forward. No, those are beautiful tips. And I think in, in this service culture, especially in the spouse culture, what you often hear is, is pull up your big girl panties, right? Like they're like, you just suck it up. Right. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of things that we say, and, and I'll, you know, what's amazing is I don't think I know many military spouses, unless they were saying it in jest, I don't know many military spouses that actually said that to someone else. That's the, those are the statements that we say to ourselves right. and you're right. right. Like we really do give ourselves a hard time. And so I love that you encouraged everybody in that way. And I think the only other thing that I would add to that um, is really just if your child is struggling with something that 
you, you're not a God, you're not um, a superhero, even though I talk about superheroes a lot, especially on this podcast, um, you're not a superhero. And it, and just because your child is struggling, that's life. It's stuff happens and kids struggle and you struggle and it doesn't have to say something terrible about you, whatever your kid is struggling with. And I had a, I had a session with a couple this week where the husband was wanting to take so much blame, even for medical issues that his kids were going through. And um, it's just not productive. And so being graceful with yourself to realize this is part of life to go through very difficult things and it shapes us and it builds character, not only in us as parents, but also in your kids. You know, Matt grew up with a debilitating hip disease and had his hip rebuilt when he was eight. And I wouldn't trade who that has helped him become for anything. And I don't think he would either. So I think sometimes you have to just take a step back and go, this is a rough season. And this may be something my kids are struggling with. It may be something that you are struggling with as you're parenting your kids through this. But overall, this is going to develop some amazing character too in the process. So Tommy, I think um, anything else that parents need to know on how to find the app, where they can find out more information about what you guys are doing. Choosesteam.com is where you can find the app. We don't have an Android uh, where you can find information. We don't have an Android app yet. That's in the works, but we do. If you go to the app store and Apple and um, look up esteem, E-S-T-E-E-M, then it should be in there. It's in the top 10. Uh, and actually the last couple of weeks has been the number one behavioral health app in the app store. So uh, it's pretty easy to find, but chooseesteem.com is the website. Um, and then there's a link to the app store in there as well. Well, thank you so much for what you and your colleagues are doing. I mean, I feel just so excited about what you're doing as a parent and also somebody also being in the mental health profession. I know it's going to help a lot of parents. I hope some of you listening will go and grab it. It's free. Like he said, um, why not grab something that helps you parent a little bit better when it's free. And so um, and please reach out to us and let us know if you are using it and um, if it's been helpful. Feedback, I know, is always helpful when you're innovating and adding new partners and want to take things to the next level. So let us know if it's something that you're using and if it's been helpful to you at all. I know it's going to be helpful to a lot of you who are moving a lot. Um, so I know it's going to be great for me. So, Tommy, thank you so much for your time and for joining us, for caring about the community, for caring about the the bigger community, even outside of the military as well. And we're just so thankful that you joined us. Thank you for your time. And thank you for all that you do with the families and the, the community and the mental health. And it's nice to see that we're coming out of the shadows and that yeah. it doesn't have to be, uh, you don't have to suffer in silence anymore. And the work that you're doing and the voice that you have is really helping with that. So thank you very much. And I really appreciate you taking the time to, to listen and share with me. Thank you for listening to the Life Giver Podcast. If you're enjoying these episodes, please share the podcast with other service couples that may benefit from the show. If you're feeling especially grateful, head on over to patreon.com forward slash life giver or find the link in today's show notes where for just a couple of dollars, you can help breathe life into more service families. If you'd like more information about me or Life Giver, head on over to coreyweathers.com or life-giver.org.